Welcome to this Horizon CIO podcast with me, Mark Chillingworth. On this week's show, we are discussing a vertical market close to my heart, the media. I am joined by a group of technology leaders from different parts of the media to discuss how technology has disrupted the media and how CIOs and CTOs are using technology to build new media models. My guests on this podcast are Chris Fosbury, CTO of Argos Media, Sean Harley, CIO of Essential, and Richard Walsh, Group Technology Director of the Telegraph Media Group. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Your media organisations are very different. Could we begin by giving the audience an insight into your companies, the audience you have, and the media projects you produce? Uh, Chris, if I may, I'll start with you. Yes, so Argus Media is a private business headquartered in London. Uh, we have 850 staff servicing um, the, the, the whole sector of the commodities uh, markets, effectively. So we are providing primarily data um, to the commodities markets. Um, when I talk about commodities, I'm talking about crude oil, fertilisers, natural gas, um, petrochemicals, and so on. And we deliver 140 different publications to the markets, as well as 28,000 independent price assessments. Um, it's the price assessments that are really core to our organisation. Um, that's absolutely what our customers are really interested in. However, we do support a lot of supporting commentary, analysis um, and news as well around the markets to understand what's what's influencing price. So we're, typically, we're a price reporting agency supporting right. the commodities markets. Yeah. Sean, tell us about Essential. Um, so Essential, we're a global um, B2B information services company um, providing critical information that helps companies optimize their strategies and focus in the right direction for the digitally driven world Um, and that's for today and and actually more importantly the future Um, and that covers various sectors from finance to fashion e-commerce to economic forecasting and we do that through a set of digitally driven products and large-scale events. And Richard, tell us about the Telegraph Media Group. Yeah, okay. Well, we're a national UK newspaper record, obviously uh, almost a British institution, we like to think. Um, 163 years old. Daily news is our business. Um, Obviously, have moved on a bit since then. These days, um, we are still core a news provider across multiple platforms. We still have, obviously, a daily printed paper, which is our flagship product. We have a website. We have a sub only iPad edition um, we have a, a live news app as well and lots of third party content so in Apple News and the, the Google Amp platform um, so based uh, primarily in central London about 1,200 staff I think we have about um, 100 million unique uh, users of our products monthly and, and about 200 million page views monthly as well um, I think our customers really are Probably ABC ones predominantly. Um, traditionally, you might think they're just all sort of 50 plus white middle class males, but actually fairly diverse group spread across age groups and a, a sort of a good gender split as well. Um, Great. Yeah. Thank you all. It sounds like we've got some very different products and very different audiences uh, to those outputs. Uh, Chris, you recently described to me the appeal of working in the media was it always it is always reinventing itself. Uh, as a group of technology leaders, you've all spent the bulk of your careers in the media. Do you agree with Chris? Is that what keeps you coming back to this sector for more? Um, yeah, so I think absolutely that the 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 pace that we're moving at um and the i think the reliance on the digital economy and the data that surrounds that for all of our products is becoming more and more important which effectively leads to a significant amount of innovation so innovation in terms of 
internally how you're structured, how you do business, how you support a global organisation where you need to be based. Um, emerging regions such as China, for example, obviously bring their bring their challenges there. And then in our some of our customer sets, the if you take retail is probably a great example. Um, the emergence of Amazon uh, and the impact that's had on on retail. Um, companies effectively going to the wall overnight because all of a sudden Amazon decided to focus on toys um, and I think that's just the start of it really in the, if you look at some of the large Chinese organizations that Alibaba's with their Tmall product etc when they start to enter our markets that will change even Amazon's world um, and some of our customers to, you know to provide that insight and direction we've got to be inventive we've got to be nimble and, and be able to give them the analysis and insight into these platforms that they need to make better strategic decisions and and if you look at what amazon's doing even in the sort of fmcg world you know they're creating their own products their own deodorants their own soaps um and and clearly taking share from from some so mm. to be to enable some of the larger organizations to be able to do business on the 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 bricks and mortar are great, but actually, you know, on on the digital shelf is just as um, just as important. Um, and I think the opportunity for technology teams, if you like, to add value to their businesses is immense at this precise point in time. There's an absolute window of opportunity to help our businesses make better decisions, uh, and and then subsequently help the consumers be, be more effective. Richard, was it that keeps you coming back to the media? Yeah, no, I, I agree with. Chris's original um, statement, and uh, yeah, strong, strongly agree with um, Sean's take on the disruption to come. I mean, maybe it's that media's been, you know, one of the the first areas to be disrupted over a sustained period of time. Um, but absolutely, I mean, I don't know whether it's just some sort of weird adrenaline rush, but the the, the you know the opportunity of of, of trying to steer a, a 160 year old paper into a digital age and to uh, be nimble and agile uh, and and come up with solutions to, to counter disruption. I mean, that's that's what keeps me coming to work. I mean, it, it is a great challenge. And I think there's only, without doubt, we can be sure there's going to be consistent change and consistent evolution. And just echoing that, that last point I think Sean made about, you know, the opportunity from from a tech perspective. I mean, we're, we're sort of front and centre. I know we'll probably get onto this in a bit more detail later on, but it, it's really transformed, I think, the role of, of the technology teams within these organisations. Um, so, yeah, totally agree. Just to add, I think the media organisations generally have had to learn to be quite risk-averse and allow technology to react to um, consumer demand and the way in which people are willing to consume content. Um, and as a result, we've absolutely had to maintain a pace with, with the consumer, whether that be through mobile, um, embracing um, cloud services such as Amazon uh, for infrastructure as a service and some of those those concepts allow us to be nimble and maintain a pace with with the consumer. Media is just quite unique in that space, particularly in the B2C space. I'm a B2B business with Argus. Whilst people, are, I guess our customers aren't quite as um, innovative in terms of the way they want to consume the data, um, we are maintaining, we, we are given the opportunities to maintain that pace with, with, the, with the consumers. We get that too as well because we just, you know, Amazon Alexa, for example, we, I think, are the first UK news provider to, to have skill on there. And you have to be ready to go and and try and innovate and, and get a presence. I mean, you know, you can't predict where it's going to lead, but be prepared to go for it. Yeah. 
Sean, you said about how the, the disruption is only just beginning with you know Alibaba and what have you. For CIOs in, 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 in those sectors that maybe haven't felt the digital disruption that the media has, has had and our revenue models are utterly different to what they were a decade ago or, or even five years ago, what experiences and, and, uh, and, and sort of tips would you share? So I think my advice would be to adapt to change quickly uh, try and get ahead of the curve, really. Um, I think a lot of organisations tend to spend time pontificating and, and 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 being slow to make decisions. And what happens then is it's passed you by, and and you're playing catch up with 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 other products. And if if you're not uh, making them decisions quickly and and sort of almost accepting the fact that you don't live in a traditional world anymore of you know we only do release once a week we only um we only uh, allow changes unless they've got 55,000 steps uh, in documentation of an ITSM tool etc you know you've got to be able to be to be to be quicker and i think the cio leaders um in that you know that i've met globally in fact um have an opportunity to grow their businesses with the business leaders and there has to be that alignment you can't sort of just head off in a direction and say well we're we're adopting infrastructure as a service from amazon well but why are you doing that you know what's the outcome what's the what, what business outcome is that driving and you really have to do it hand in hand with the business leaders and if if you're not doing that it, it probably won't work yeah and richard i mean newspapers have been particularly disrupted haven't they and what uh, lessons would you advise to, to those sectors that haven't had the experiences yet? Yeah, um, so just probably picking up on the on the last point from Sean and, and um, adding to it a bit. Really, is it, you know you've got you've got to understand your business one hundred percent, and then you've also got to understand the market trends that you operate in. You know you 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 you've got to look at those trends and try and anticipate. So joined up totally and also just to say you know i meant i meet plenty of um, it leaders who still don't have that seat at the top table um you've got to really ensure that um your organization is allowing technology space at that top table um and, and then you know you can make your case to obviously be part of the solution to to deal with disruption as it comes up um Chris, is that very much the case at Argus? Yeah, absolutely. But I believe that the the typical partner that CIOs are having to work with now is not necessarily those that are around the the senior leadership table. Even though the CIOs, um, typically in media, are you know they they have a seat. Um, they're having to partner with people far lower within the organisation because it's the millennials that are actually driving behaviours and they're the consumers of tomorrow. So it's partnering and creating working groups across the organisation, not simply partnering with. A senior stakeholder or a sponsor um, to get things done. I think it's, there's there's a lot more people that need to be considered now in their views. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we're seeing multifunctional teams are the default model yeah, going absolutely. forward. Otherwise, you must just forget it. Yeah, yeah. and it's. Not, I think it's, I would add it's not just about your outward-facing products. It's also the tools and technologies you give them to operate on it and be effective on a day-to-day basis. So you can't forget it's not just front end there's 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 a whole set of back end systems and processes that that enable you to take money for example yeah and that um, to that point about multifunction teams that must be quite interesting because you know the media actually is, is an industry that hasn't been particularly great at multifunctions you've had sales operations and, and uh, product operations and, and never the twain should ever met but that that clearly can't happen and it has often been the glue in the middle is that is that very much 
breaking down in, in big publishing companies? I, I'd certainly say that. I mean, having a CIO at the top table is the, one of the only seats that are getting that true visibility across the organisation. Um, so they are absolutely aligned to each function and as a result they are the glue um, I think that's becoming certainly commonplace we've certainly seen that within the media space yeah. also not to maybe sometimes not just the glue as well also a bit, bit of arbitration going on there you know because to, to your point we we can see the the whole macro level that is a useful tool and we're used to stepping outside of maybe our more functional silos and and having that large picture so I, I think increasingly that that you know organizations are understanding the value behind that sean and, and uh, chris your, your organizations are particularly a, a very data heavy the data is almost the the bit the, the real value of the business um is that is that the core service now do you think for organizations like this that uh, the data is the media that people are, are subscribing to and buying into I think um, I was actually at a session earlier, and I've, I've, I've pulled this quote from uh, the, the <laughs> provider I was with, but uh, he was uh, talking about uh, data is the modern-day tech oil, effectively. Uh, and yeah. I think what we need to do is... is und- And it's it's key, of course, but the, the difficult piece is understanding how to use it and how you will win with it. Um, and I think it's easier said than done. And we challenge ourselves a lot with the so what question you know so we, we want to do something well, so what what does that do what does it deliver what's the value and uh, i think a lot of organizations need to self-reflect to an extent and really understand the question what is the question they're trying to answer i've been in many meetings in the past sort of five or six weeks where people are saying oh we need a data science function and and when you speak to true data science companies the first question they ask you is what question are you trying to answer from the data you've got and a lot of answers back are, uh, I thought you were going to tell us that because you're a data science company. So it's very difficult. So I think data is is, is key, and 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 if you can leverage it, I think you're you're winning. But it, you've got to know the the questions that you're trying to answer from that data. Mm. I'd certainly support that. So um, Argus is just investigating or investing actually in data science now, and we have our first data scientist joining the organisation. And whilst that's something we very much champion within technology, and um, we think that's certainly something we want to be investing more and in, in delivering more uh, analytical products for our customers. Um, we are having to educate the organisation in terms of what data science means. It's not seen as a threat. This is about trying to provide um, further an- analysis into the organisation to support the editorial community and the organisation with its, you know, its its day job ultimately, but also providing far more insight and analysis of the data we already hold to our customers. Um, so it's, it's it's seen as not necessarily a commodity. It's that very real value-add activity that we're trying to achieve. And to add, I think you're lucky you can recruit a data science i'll be interested to understand where you got them from <laughs> but um but i think the the skills gap is 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 significant in this space and organizations i would encourage organizations to maybe start working with um higher education university types to breed their own type of data science that that sort of works for their business and and create yourself a funnel uh, of capability uh, because the the resources are are scarce uh, and and expensive, I suspect. Yeah. And also, I think we've, we, you know, data data science is is a maturing concept. So I think we're already at the point now where there are consumer off the shelf 
products that do some a lot of the work and you don't necessarily have to build all this stuff and I, and I see that where you know we've got recommenders in place where our data science team were keen to build it spend a lot of time trying to build it yeah. we found a great partner and implemented it within a few weeks so you just have to be wary of I suppose circling back to the original point is uh, you know what, what, what problem you're trying to solve and what the options and be agnostic about it rather than thinking oh I've got to have a data scientist it's sort of classic latest what, what's, what's in vogue you know I need a mm. bit of data science I need a bit of AI well do you really? <laughs> exactly yeah. and as data and technology become the ability for organisations to, to differentiate themselves uh, selves, does that mean that the that the hierarchy is changing slightly? That uh, as Chris touched on, that CIOs need to be at the board, but all, you know, is is it that that ability to to give insight is changing the the structure of the top team of the business? Mm. It does seem an interesting sort of journey that organisations are going on, doesn't it? Because I, I know, sure, may you relate to sort of this in particular. There was, there was sort of marketing really were proactive in in getting a lot of tools into organizations and running them as in a siloed way and what i what i'm finding at telegraph is that that's circling back around now because the the tools that, that marketing quite rightly went out, out and found they're becoming key to all our businesses but they're perhaps not as um experienced as running those um tools as services so what we found in tech here is that we're just starting to to, to broaden out our our and I, I'm hesitating because I don't want to use the word control because that's not what I'm <laughs> trying to explain. But you know, we're back involved as 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 um, as perhaps we used to be, but working with our colleagues and it's from marketing and it's from visual design, um, and then feeding into the data part, making sure we've got analysts embedded in editorial and and commerce teams, so that we can all have a, a joined up picture. Which is going back to that cross-functional teams point that was made Absolutely. a little earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, audiences are changing now. They li- they live in a stream of media rather than the old sort of behaviour pattern of of, uh, of, uh, of picking something up at the beginning of the day, the end of the day, or whatever point. Uh, how how are CIOs you helping capture and retain audiences when when audiences are so are so difficult and they they are all you know the choice, the stream of availability to them is is like never before. I think that's a challenge for all of us. I suspect um, that there's no silver silver bullet. I, I, different people will always consume content in different ways. And what you have to do, and, and Richard alluded to it uh, in his, his answer previously, that you have to embed yourself into the business teams to understand the audience they're trying to reach, how they're trying to reach them, and instill that discipline, let's say, as opposed to control, but that discipline on how they use the tools to get to the um, to to, the, to that audience, and I mean, Richard's probably a lot broader in the spectrum of, of people that, that consume his product than, than my product, um, and our products will vary from a digital product that strategy or insight people might use to make better decisions to you know Joe Blog's corner shop that wants to buy some retail products um, to put on the shelf at Christmas through a through an event that we might we might be running. So um, I think it's it's about personalising that journey and content, whether that's in, in my world a, a large scale event, you know, making sure that people that are interested in cuddly toys don't spend a lot of time in the kitchen section uh, of an event uh, and they, they get the right information to make their trip to that event successful. Um, and connected with the right people 
or in, in a in a if you're interested in what your sales and share is on Amazon, making sure that you're getting the right information and you can compare yourself to the, your peers at a strategy level. I think one one of the key things as well is certainly being telegraphed is the ways of working, and again, probably an over overused term, you know, the agile ways of working, but introducing the the concept of you know. Um, launch and learn, iterate, don't be afraid to fail. Those, those, those sort of methodologies we're used to in technology broaden them out into the wider business context. I think that's, that's, that all plays in, into, the, into the, um, the ultimate aim of capturing and retaining audience through being brave with the products we launch. Chris, your audience is, is, is actually quite different, isn't it? They do live in a stream, but they also very much choose your product because it is quite unique. Yeah, it's a unique uh, product that is very targeted. So they yeah. subscribe to what they want to see, um, and it's not a volume business. We're not providing anything that we really give away for free. There's a little bit of free news, but that's really it. Um, we're providing what we would regard as a premium service for our customers, which is very targeted. Um, so, the, but it's about how we get the, get it to our customers. How timely is it? Um, you know, just we, we look to listen to our customers and understand how we can improve the products, the platforms, and the mechanisms by which we're getting to, getting it to them. Um, but yeah, it's 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 all about qualitative versus, you know, a volume and trying to compete with those free services. And presumably, that customer base is changing like everybody else is to become more digitally adept, and they Absolutely. want a different set of products. Yeah, all of our content we deliver digitally, um, whether that be through mobile. Um, digital uh, publications um, that we don't do anything that's printed um, so everything's delivered digitally which is certainly something that is a, a, a massive positive for my world um, but uh, yeah it's, it's very much about listening to the customer understanding what they what, what their needs look like trying to maintain uh, some form of advantage whether it be utilizing new technologies we've done nothing with Alexa yet I'm sure that's very very popular with regards to the the b2c space and some of that free commentary and news and content um, but that's something we've got our eye on. Actually, the, the, the thing we really have our eye on at the moment is actually more around the AI space and how we can try and bring AI into our core workflows to try and deliver content um, on behalf of the business um, with editorial oversight, but trying to speed up that, that content delivery um, in a qualitative fashion. Yeah. You touched on something really important there. Right? You, you hardly give away anything free in, in your organisation. Uh, as a market, we do generally give away a lot free, uh, sort of, that that model is beginning to be challenged now, isn't it? How can we uh, challenge that, and how do technologists sort of deliver that convenience of free, but still a sustainable revenue model? We, we at the Telegraph, we had that um, sort of sea change back end of 2016 with our premium content model, mm-hmm. and, and that that replaced a you know a bit more of a leaky metered. Um, uh, proposition um, and and re- really, I think the, the key thing for us now is, is the customer journeys. It's creating frictionless customer journeys, and and again, work, working with with our colleagues in in marketing and editorial to make sure that um, we most have, have the most compelling um, and targeted um, um, tools that, you know, and to hand to ensure that our, our customers engage with us in, in the most simplest and straightforward way. And, that, and that's something we increasingly spend more and more time around customer journeys and the targeting of, of, of the offers that we have in place. Sean, does, does Essential give away anything away, its material away free? And are you challenging that model? I mean, we, we you can attend some of our events um, for, for free um, to, to, you know, to interact with others to in, in retail or construction. But I think the, the key to the question here is if you want to move to a model where people are paying to consume all of your content, 
you've got to show some value. So a little bit Chris's point, you know, he's very targeted niche. Um, I would say niche best in class um, product that will you know effectively people know that they're going to get the value from it and I think that's uh, that's a challenge in our world is to make sure that we're um, if, if, if you if you move to a pay everything pays model then there's 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 some level of value that you can nail on for the consumer and that again goes back to understanding your audience and and what they want what they don't want and not too far from here there's a there's an organization um that gets their digital development team to spend a day a week with their customers and then they develop from that i mean you know sounds uh, unruly uncontrolled but they've been very successful at making their product a paid for product based on the fact that their consumers of their content they're people that are putting products onto their site, if you like, are involved in that process. Uh, and I think that's one of the, the key things is, is is understanding that end consumer and what they what they will and what they won't um, pay for. Yeah. And, and what about the, the process of gathering content? Increasingly, the technology can, can enable that. What technologies uh, do you believe will change content gathering in the near future? You mentioned uh, AI, uh, Chris. Yeah, so we're we're currently investigating um, actively uh, the ability to take content from across the customer base, um, who are and not just the customer base, actually all of our data sources and information sources across the world, um, and effectively create new uh, analytical tools as a result of real time ingestation of content. Um, that may be some commentaries and news, but to be honest, it'll probably be more. Um, targeted at trying to top and tail standard content that's going into publications um, so whether that be charts tables that sort of things so will be creating those assets automatically um, and then using natural language processing to top and tail that um, that content to ensure that it's created um, appropriately uh, there would obviously be some form of oversight from the editorial community as well to make sure that we're comfortable with what was being delivered in an automated fashion we're trying to automate as much as pro- as possible the ingestation of data um, from our data sources and then potentially the placement and delivery of some of the content on the pages as well yeah uh, Richard how's the Telegraph using new technologies yeah very much focused on the newsroom these days we actually now have uh, a team of newsroom engineers. They're based down in the newsroom. Um, we had a, have a, a head of um, newsroom technology who's solely focused on uh, what we call newsroom of the future, but that can mean any number of things. So the, the two things that spring, spring to mind, yep, AI, um, machine learning are, are around um, recommendations. So that this is um, aiding the, um, the authoring process. So as a uh, as a journalist would be writing a story, then he'd be getting recommendations um, with regard to previous stories that um, did very well with regard to our registered users, for example, um, or might be suggesting links to our existing content, which can be referenced and, and help um, add to the richness of that story. Also, looking at how we can free up some of the more mundane tasks within the workflow. So, trying to streamline workflow so we, so journalists can spend more time on you know writing higher value content which can be part of our premium proposition and we can uh, more easily produce the commodity content as well Sean is there any developments that you're looking at I think we're in, we're, we're in sort of just about to enter the same um, space as Chris actually where we've got lots of information sources um, and can we use AI natural language processing etc to get value from that 
and produce more insights in the particular industry sectors that, that we're serving. One of the most important things and what we're trying to achieve is really to provide back time to the editorial community to allow them to spend much more of their day on value-add activity as opposed to yeah. you know mundane tasks such as copying and pasting information between systems, services, spreadsheets, you know, and automating as much of that process as we can, taking the unstructured data sources, structuring them using some form of AI, um, and then obviously the natural language processing piece, as we as we mentioned. But we're just trying to return time back to our back to our staff to do the value add stuff. Yeah. Sean, Chris, do you do you prefer the the specialist world, the the, the deep richness of your organisations? I, I like the fact that I don't work in an organisation that is um, reliant on advertising revenue. That's obviously very vol- volatile. Um, providing a premium service to customers that you know oil majors aren't known for being. You know, they're some of the largest companies in the world, yeah. right? And we are di- we are directly written into their core business workflows, so we are ab- absolutely uh, a must-have information um, for those guys. Um, and as a result, it provides you know we've got a healthy margin. We're allowed to do things or able to do things, I would say, correctly or properly without having to cut too many corners. And that provides me with a lot more flexibility in terms of how I'm taking on some of these concerns, challenges. Um, and scaling up teams to be able to support the organisation. So technology is absolutely at the heart of everything Argus is doing um, and the beauty of of, of the type of organisation I operate when it affords me the opportunity to do things things right. I imagine there's some similarities there for you, Sean, isn't there? There's there's certain verticals and certain people who are dependent on the information that you're providing. Exactly, and and I think where we need to look broader... you know, we've we've got a set of best-in-class products, but actually, what we can do is take them broader to apply them to sectors. So, um, it, you know, we've got a fashion insight uh, organisation called WGSN, and clearly they predict trend fashion insights. But they also do a lot of work on analytics um, for uh, the, the online retailers. You know, what's what, what what's in stock, what's um, what colours, what sizes, what's selling, what's not selling, and then actually, if you um, if you go back to the insight and trend and forecasting piece, you know what's the next big colour in the automotive industry? Actually, so you know it's not just fashion. Fashion actually goes across many things. What's the the next colour for the new buildings that are going up around London? The type of glass that they might use, etc. So, actually, it's it, it sounds niche, but actually it can be quite broad if if you if you look at it from a more holistic perspective. The, the, the relations to those things to those uh, tangents are in effect yeah. fascinating um, normally on this podcast when we talk about legacy we're talking about getting rid of mainframes or software platforms uh, Richard you're you're still uh, an organisation that produces a, a, a print newspaper yeah. um, h- how much is uh, is that product changing from not being legacy some people like to call them heritage or you know is, is it still a valuable proposition to the business yeah it's an interesting question this one we've God, so yeah, it, our print product is not legacy. It, it is our flagship product, um, and you know that that that's how it's positioned. It's still the vehicle for our, you know, the, the richness and quality journalism in a created fashion, um, and it's a unique reading experience. And that and that is that is not going away. You know, we are um, always going to print a newspaper. I can't see an end to it. Um, what we are doing behind the scenes then to enable that is um, making sure that all the you know print production processes and the infrastructure that underpin it are, are feature proof and have a have a more modern digital slant to to ensure that um, we'll be able to deliver that service um, going forward. Do you get, do you gentlemen have any legacy what you'd call legacy products that 
are still supported or, or have been have moved to become luxury products? I think the um, we had some heritage brands um, that that were primarily print focused. Um, they're not part of our group anymore. But but I think the the point that uh, Richard made there is is a is a great one that actually different sectors different roles different people in 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 the sectors want to consume the content sometimes still in a paper format right that there are people that love to sit and read a paper copy so you could move a product to be a digital product and you would probably lose that consumer to another paper version because people like to sit on a sunday with a you know paper cup of tea sitting in the sun hopefully um <laughs> you know consuming content Whereas on an iPad, it might be a little bit more difficult to consume because the sun's out, etc. So, and it's that quality experience I think Richard was talking about there, uh, and product that is, is is still important. And then, you know, I've lots of friends that are builders, they're all carrying iPads. They don't they don't work off plans anymore. They they work off iPads. So actually, they they they're consuming content, their content that's relevant to them in, in a different way. Mm. Um, so it's that type of, uh, depending on you know how you like to consume, I think the, the print will, will never go away, as Richard mentioned. Um, some content might move to a digital platform in a different form, different guys, different product set. Um, but, but actually, there's a place for both, uh, I would suggest. It's about I, providing I it flexibility. Flexibility yeah. to allow your consumers to make a choice, yeah. and over time we may find yeah. that people move away from, I guess, the traditional print um, offering and more to a digital offering. But we will find that that will, that will only that will, that will materialise over the next ten years, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd be nice to think that the newspaper would be a bit more like you know, wanting for a bit of vinyl on a, on the turntable. But um, it's an interesting one with newspapers because they're, they're also instantly disposable, aren't they? But yeah. hey, we'll, we'll we'll see how that unfolds. Richard Walsh, Chris Fosbury and Sean Harley, thank you for joining the Horizon CI podcast and debating the UK's exciting media sector. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do rate or review us on your preferred podcast platform. And a full article from this discussion will be published alongside the podcast on the Horizon site. Thank you for listening.